0: Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot, fast, and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
1: Ron an alien. I've got to concentrate on getting the bolt out all the time being aware that any mistake, and this is the inches part, any mistake trying to drill this six millimeter bolt shank out, six millimeters is a little less than a quarter inch, could cost this lady a transmission.
2: If you got a problem, don't care what it is, if you need a hand, I can assure you this, I can help. The car doctor. You know, when I call you, I'm a... I'm like at a at, uh, yeah, crossroads. <laughs> okay, I'm your guy. <laughs> Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anion, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair.
1: If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855 560 9900. And now, he. Uh, I think I want to start here today. Uh, hello and welcome, by the way. Um, I want to talk about the thirty-nine ninety-five oil change. I've been trying to do this for a while. That's kind of where I want to go with this. <sighs> what should an oil change cost? You ever think about this? I mean, you guys are pretty smart. I mean, look at your taste in radio shows. Here you are. Um, we know you've got good taste. We know you're intelligent. All the choices you have, and you're listening to me. Why did I just hear everybody click off? Okay. Um... You know, what should an oil change cost? What are things worth? We all have a number in our head. You ever notice that? We all have a, uh, and I, maybe it's the human being in us, right? That, that preconceived notion of what value is. And, you know, I've never looked it up in the dictionary. I'll have to do that one day. Maybe we can talk about it here. What, what Webster defines as value. But in my mind, value is, you know, when you receive something that meets your particular level or standard of satisfaction that makes you happy. Makes you feel like you were taken care of. Makes you feel like, you know what, you were treated fairly. Actual price is somewhere in my, in my dictionary, somewhere down around third or fourth in the, in, in, the, in the list. So what should an oil change cost? $39.95 oil change. It seems like a lot of repair shops are doing them these days. How they are doing them, or I know why, but how they're doing them, I don't, I don't see. And why you would want to stoop that low. But you know, that's what they're doing. Let's talk about it. Here's the challenge. You're gonna go grocery shopping this week. Next time you're in the supermarket, stop and look at a quart of oil, right? They've got that automotive aisle. Stop and look at a quart of oil. How much is a quart of oil in, in, in your local supermarket? It's easily, I mean, I've seen, yeah, okay, it could be three, four dollars, but I'm talking a good name brand, decent quality. It's gotta be five bucks a quart, right? $469, $499, something like that. Let's call it five bucks a quart. Let's round it off. The average car takes 4 quarts of oil. There's 20 bucks. All right? So, you know, and the repair shop's going to mark it up a little bit because they got to eat too, but we're going to use 20. We're going to use $5 a quart as our benchmark here. A decent oil filter. Oh, I know somebody's going to write me, "Oh, Ron, I can get oil filters for $3 and they're major niche. yeah, okay. I'm talking on average. 5 bucks again. $25 is probably material cost. For an oil change, if you were to do it yourself, or, you know, maybe that repair shop's got a sharper pencil because they're buying in bulk and volume, but let's use $25 as our barometer. They got to pay the guy to do it, all right? Now, you know, some of these vehicles, it's, it's, it's real quick. It's lickety-split it's seven, eight minutes, and the oil change is done. Of course, I don't know what they're really doing in that seven, eight minutes, which sort of defeats, in my mind, the whole purpose of the oil change. Because isn't the oil change, you know, meant as it's sort of like a stopgap on the trip, the journey for the car, where, you know, it's going to now get looked at and looked over. And, you know, what does the undercarriage look like? Uh, you know, what's what's ready to fall out? What's damaged from the pothole hit? What's ruined from running over the turkey that ran across the highway in the week before. That actually happened to me last week. I meant to tell you that, but uh, I avoided it, so the Suburban's still intact. I don't know about the guy with the BMW to my left, but, you know, um, I'm okay. So, you know, what's all that worth? To me, an oil change is easily 20 minutes to a half hour of shop time. By the time you road test it, oh, oh, wait, your oil change place doesn't road test the car? So you're happy that the oil change, which has now gotten longer, right, because it, it's oil changes are anywhere from four to eight months before we actually do them, depending on how many miles you drive. So you're saying, on average, six months. You mean you don't want a mechanic looking at your car every six months to see what kind of shape it's in? You're comfortable with that? You're comfortable with putting your wife and kids or your, your husband and kids or your your family in that vehicle and letting them drive that in perpetuity without anybody really looking at it? Oh wait, I know what the answer to that is. You're afraid the mechanic's gonna rip you off. So you're going to a mechanic you don't trust, but you're gonna let them work on the car anyway because they're gonna do a 3995 oil change or or whatever the case might be. You really gotta look at this. This is a hard, this is a hard lesson here. All right. The 3995 oil change doesn't work because what always happens? They always try to sell you something. You ever notice that? Oh gee, Mrs. Jones, you, you need a tire rotation. Gee, Mrs. Jones, you need a cabin filter. Gee, Mrs. Jones, you need an air filter. Gee, Mrs. Jones, you know it's time for breaks and it's it's and and you gotta be smarter than that, folks. You know, that 3995 oil change is is fishing with hand grenades. They're just trying to hit as many people as possible as they possibly can, do a cheap oil change, drag somebody in the door, not necessarily give the vehicle proper service, and get you to agree to something else. But yet you keep going back. You know, I can't tell you how many times during the course of the week I hear somebody say, yeah, I don't like going to so-and-so, they're a bad shop, or yeah, I know they can't really diagnose much, but they do a really cheap oil change, and I just go for the oil change. Well, you know, you've got to look at it too. Would you go to a doctor that... Gave cheap service, but wasn't competent because well, he gives a real good physical, but I wouldn't trust him to operate on me. Well, yeah, but you got to understand if he's if he's giving you the physical, if he's doing the oil change, and he forgets to put the drain plug in and the oil falls out, he's the guy that's now going to do the engine. So you're you're sort of elevating yourself into his world where he's going to be doing the service and the mechanical work anyway. The mechanical work you don't trust. So. You've got to think about that. That 39.95 oil change. Listen. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's what you need. You know, what, what what started all this was I I went for a physical this week and I was talking to the nurse and she was new and she's telling me about she had gone to the local Nissan dealer for a 39.95 oil change and every time I go they try to sell me something. But why do you go for the 39.95 oil change? Well, cuz it's cheap. But you've got to expect them to sell you something. But why do they have to do that? Christina actually got the, the the first version of this story, all right, because I gave it to her in about six minutes. And, um, you know, she said, boy, that just makes a lot of sense. She also said, you know, you have a very good voice. You should be on radio. I kind of didn't want to go there with that, but I just sort of let it slide under the radar. You got to stop and think about it. You get what you pay for, right? Mama always said that, and Mama wasn't wrong. You know, it's 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 a conversation of you know what can you afford? That's a different conversation. One of the things I said to Christina, I said, "Why do you go for the cheap oil change?" And beside the price, she said, "Well, you know, I leased the car and I don't want to put a lot of money in it." And you know what? I told her, "Keep doing the thirty nine ninety five oil change. It's their problem. The car's under warranty." If I leased a car and I was going to hand it back to him, and I knew I was going to hand it back to him, good lord, I'd do every thirty nine ninety five oil change, rotate the tires when they told me, and down the road. I wouldn't care. I would follow a manufacturer's recommendation. I've said that for a long time on this show because I think it's all nonsense. I think when that car gets older, it's going to have mechanical issues, but that's not your responsibility. You're renting something from them, and they want to follow those guidelines. That's fine. But if you're keeping that car, if you're planning on driving that car to the 250 or 300,000-mile mark, you know that 39.95 oil change they're cutting corners somewhere because we already know it's 25 bucks in material we already know it's if it's a half hour of time we'll make it simple and they're paying that guy 15 bucks an hour that's 750 so it's costing them 3250 plus federal taxes employee sales tax or employee payroll taxes 35 they're making $4.95 and that's going towards rent or or mortgage or taxes or overhead or lights or insurance and all the rest of the list it doesn't make any sense but you keep doing that thirty-nine ninety-five oil change because one thing I can tell you for sure, sooner or later you're going to call me and you're going to have a problem that nobody else can fix because they can't fix the oil change because that's all they can do or they're not mechanically competent because their work isn't good enough to draw people in based on merit. And that's really what the thirty-nine ninety-five oil change is about. They have to do a cheap oil change to attract customers because either their turnover is too high or they can't do the work right in the first place, and that's a problem. Prove me wrong. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor coming back right after this.
3: For the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855-560-9900. Now back to Ron.
1: Hey, let's get over to Peyton in Virginia Beach and see what's going on here. Peyton, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help?
3: Yes, I have a
0: two thousand five Chevy Tahoe and when I'm running the A C it just happens randomly, not very often, but occasionally. It'll all of a sudden the AC will do the hot, hot air.
1: Is is this And AC- what I've
0: learned is Go ahead. what I've learned is all I've got to do is turn it off and turn it back on and the AC comes back on.
1: All right. Is this a split system side to side? Can you can you can you can you, uh, can you change temperature from the left and the right side or is would correct. You can. Yes. Okay. Both sides yes. blow hot air? Uh well that's a good
0: question. I I'm just you know, I'm on the driver's side and that's the only one I notice.
1: Right. The next time it happens, um, put your hand over in front of the passenger side if you can. Because one of those, one right. of the passenger side ducts. Because if I if I remember right, there's one vent on the left side. There's two in the center. Right. And then there's one on the far right. Correct. Correct. So those two in the center, one of those two should be for the left. One of those t- should be for the right. And the way you could find out for sure is when the system's working. Just just make one side hot, one side cold, and you'll 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 get it. You'll see it. All right. So that'll prove that'll prove that what I'm stating is correct. All right. Right. So the next time you're driving and it happens, does it happen to both sides or just one side? If it happens to one side, and my suspicion is it's going to happen just to the driver's side, then I'm going to tell you you probably have a failing door actuator, blend door actuator, for the driver's side alone. If it happens to both, where they both start to blow hot like that, then my next suggestion is going to be when when it happens, find someplace safe, pull over, get out, pop the hood, and look at the AC compressor. Is the compressor clutch engaged? Simplest test, right? <clears throat> Just do we is the compressor still on? Now, if the compressor's on and it's still blowing hot air out of both sides, that's good information yeah. for the mechanic. My next step would be when we pull codes and not with an OBD2 code reader, we want to pull codes by year, make, model, by manufacturer, And specifically, go look at the body computer, which controls the AC system on that vehicle. Do we have any blend door faults or blend door actuator faults? And take it from there. But I I think what you're going to find is it's going to be the left side is hot and the right side is cold. And if that's the case, you're probably going to find a B as in Baker 0413 blend door actuator driver side fault code. And that's going to be the issue it's it's losing its position and it just defaults to hot the reason car, okay. the, the reason car manufacturers do that just a little bit of automotive trivia is because back in the 70s, yeah I'm that old back in the 70s general General Motors had a vacuum controlled uh, blend door position and when it went bad, it defaulted to cold and people would freeze to death in the car. So they, you know, all the lawsuits that encountered, um, they decided instead to make it reverse now. So now when the AC system has a fault or the heating control system has a fault, it defaults to hot because nobody complains about being too hot in the winter. They only complain about freezing to death, if you get my point. Right. right. Um, so that's... Okay, that's, a,
0: blend, a blend door actuator, is yeah. that what you said? Yeah,
1: think of the front door to your house, okay. all right? You got a front door on the house, right? Right. If, if you if if it's stuffy in the room and you want to let more air in, what do you do? You walk over, you turn the knob, you pull the door open and then then when it gets too cold or somebody tells you it's too cold, even though you think it's hot, you go to close the door. You're the actuator. you're the control all right on on top right. of on top of the evaporator case, which is the control unit for the heating ventilation system under the dashboard, there's a series of doors. All right, there's an evaporator coil, which is where the cold air is made, and there's a heater core, which is where the hot air is made. They just change position of the door to blow hot or cold air. Well, they couldn't fit you in the dash, so they've got a little electric motor with a series of plastic gears sitting on top of the door. The computer command says, hey, put it at step number 155 or put it at position 20 or put it at... Okay, it, 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 it mathematically knows where it wants it to be. If it can't read it or the gear's failing or the motor's failing, it defaults to hot automatically.
0: Does restarting it give an indication of anything? Yeah, it, it, it tells I me... started it it, it, it works.
1: Right, it tells me we're resetting something, and that's typically when the actuators go bad, they reset. Because it only takes a momentary glitch. It only takes a... You know? If during the course of right. our conversation... There was static, and you couldn't hear one second of the conversation. You ever have anybody leave a message on your answering machine? Because this happens at the shop all the time. It makes me crazy. They call, they leave a message, and, you know, my phone number is 201-55-7892. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're going, right. gee, let's guess what that last digit is, but you because know, they were on a bad connection. If the actuator has a bad connection and it just misses one digital digit, that, that throws the system into default.
0: Right, I got you. All right. Uh, one other question. Yeah. It's a 2005, and it seems like it's a little rough. Would it be worth it to change shocks?
1: The ride? You mean yeah. it rides rough?
0: Well, I'm just wondering if shocks, new shocks would make it better.
1: How many miles are on this, Peyton?
0: It's only like 103,000. Okay. So it's low mileage.
1: So you like the truck? Yes. Have you owned it since new or you bought it used or what's the story?
0: I bought it two or three about two years old.
1: Yeah. When it was two years old. When it was two years yeah. old, is that what you said? Okay. Well well maybe
0: maybe three two thousand five. I think I got it in two thousand nine. All right.
1: Bottom line, you've had it so at least you've had it a good ten, twelve years. Yes. Right. So, you know, before you spend any money on it, I'm just being cautious, just being devil's advocate. All right. I would take it to my mechanic. You got a good regular mechanic, a guy you like, a guy you trust. Yeah. All right. You know, spend an hour of his time. Tell him to go over it if he hasn't already. And just, you know, listen, I'm thinking of putting some money in the truck. I want to keep it because obviously it's tough finding a car now, and it's real expensive to get another Tahoe. We had a customer in the shop the other day at Tahoe. She spent $83,000 right down to the heated coffee cup holders. Um, <laughs> you know, Yeah. Start thinking about that. Right. So, uh, right. you know, spend an hour of his time. Let him look at the brakes. Let him look at the shocks, tires, any major fluid leaks. What do the brake lines look like? What do the fuel lines look like? What kind of rust is underneath the truck? And if well, if all that gets I, a clean I, I bill um, of health... Up,
0: I keep it... Go ahead. I keep, I keep it uh, upkeep, upkeep uh, pretty good. All right. I'm just wondering if the shocks...
1: Yes, shocks could definitely they cause. they
0: typically wear out? Do oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Especially at this age, shocks can surely cause a rough ride. My point is, before you spend, what could just, even if you did it yourself, it's going to be five, six hundred dollars for a decent set of four shocks for a truck like that. Before you spend the money, because of the age, because of the pattern of failures. And the way rust will take out and fuel lines on those vehicles. Have it looked at or look at it yourself and verify it before you spend the bucks. But by all means, a nice set of shocks will definitely help it ride better. I'm Ron and in the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor at 855 560 9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever you got going on. Let's go over and talk to uh, Brady in Virginia. Brady, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help?
3: Hey, Ron. I appreciate you. Help. Uh, when I, I bought a 2009 GMC Sierra uh, about three years ago. Okay. And when I bought it, the uh, cruise control was working pretty well. And then it kind of went to lo- like working three quarters of the time when I hit the the switch. And then somebody suggested uh, about you know a couple months ago that I go on the control panel and reset the hit it to reset the factory settings.
1: Okay. And When
3: I did that, it got a lot it got a lot worse. And now it's like maybe a quarter of the time it'll work.
1: All right. So has anybody tried to diagnose any? attempts other than you know the the brother-in-law method
3: uh no not yet
1: okay so we want to we want to hook a scan tool up and we're looking to see if it's got a p0573 p0573 is an indication that the brake light switch is possibly faulty or sending an input request when the vehicle is in motion at the wrong time it's got that it's got that sensibility it will also occur the vehicles on cruise and if the brake light switch input isn't clean, it's not a it's not a complete on off signal, it's more of a digital type signal, it will cause that cruise to be disabled. Okay. All right. So and I'm not saying I'm not telling you to rush out tomorrow and replace the brake light switch. Yeah, all right, by any yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just telling you that when it comes to intermittence the highest failure rate occurs with the brake light switch on those vehicles. And you want to be sure that if you do replace it, you get a good quality part. All right, because I've seen guys chase their tail, they'll buy the cheapest. And I'm not saying you would. I'm just saying, you know, I've seen guys buy the cheapest brake light switch they can. And they've still got the same problem yeah. because they didn't verify what they wanted to ver- what they needed to verify. What I would do if we were at the shop having the conversation, we'd hook up a scan tool and we would go down and look at body module because i believe that's in body module cruise control on that vehicle and there's actually uh-huh. going to be a pid there's actually going to be a piece of data parameter that will tell us brake brake pedal applied yes no and i would take that car for a ride and i would i would just put it in movie mode and monitor it and if the cruise stopped working and i've got it on movie you know what all i've got to do is go back to the point where the cruise was disabled and there's actually a pid for cruise on off it'll say on off put that right underneath the brake light switch and i'd probably only put two or three up speed engine load engine speed um, brake light switch and cruise take it for a ride and if i could catch uh-huh. it if i could catch it in movie mode where it says brake brake pedal applied and i know i didn't apply the brake pedal guess what either i've got an electrical wiring harness problem something that's telling it the brake pedal's applied when it's not or i've got a bad brake pedal uh, brake pedal switch i'm sorry Okay. All right.
3: So Yeah, there is, you know, every once in a great while, you know, I have it in cruise control, and it'll just go out by itself.
1: Right. Yep. You could try and annoy it, put it in cruise control, get yourself up on the highway, and I like to do all this kind of testing when nobody's around, because somehow you get lost in the diagnosis. You could be surprised at things you almost hit um, when you're not paying attention. And um, if you get it in cruise control mode, and real gentle, tap the brake pedal, not not apply sideways annoy it yeah you know kick it with your foot a little bit tap it with your foot a little bit all right you know you want to see if you create some noise down there by the brake pedal switch does it create enough of a problem that it actually turns it off you know if you had a okay. if you had a scan tool hooked up to it that would be great because you're looking at information i i can't tell you you know 20 years ago we hooked up scan tools for check engine lights and maybe $25, yeah. all right? Now, yeah, we hook a scan tool up for everything. If the blinkers don't work, <laughs> we hook a scan tool up right. because it all goes through yeah. a computer. I had a Ford Edge. Here, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a Ford Edge this week. The headlights would go out after a period of time. And I had to go right. through due diligence diagnosis, looking at body computer pcm headlight switch because the headlight switch wasn't really a switch it was an input control it applied input to the body module telling it it was requesting headlights to be on and then the body module made the decision to ground the relay to turn the headlights on (laughs) so i could actually go in and look if i turn the headlights on yes request the headlights are out okay i went out and i measured voltage at the headlight connector I think I told you guys this story last week. It was in the last week at the beginning of this. So I don't remember which. They all kind of blend together after a while, and it had two bad bulbs in it. I can't. I you know. So, but those are the things you're looking for. All right. I can't tell you how how important okay. that that scan tool is in, in a case like this. Now, the other thing, this could okay. be just for just just for giggles. All right, just to mention. Mm-hmm. I have seen okay. in this particular series of trucks, not just the Sierras, but the you know the GM equivalents, the Chevrolet equivalents, right. uh, wrong brake light, right. wrong brake light bulbs, or or a problem with brake light bulbs, uh, short to power, turning on, energizing the circuit, and killing cruise control as well.
3: That, okay. Well, I haven't changed any of those, so right. they were the same. So
1: they should be the same. Yeah. All right, but I just well. Yeah. I, listen, anytime I give you guys diagnoses, I always try to be specific. Yeah. But but you know, I try to give you as you know the weird stuff I've seen. Uh, general, yeah. Yeah, you know, just because yeah. it's 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 good for me to bring it up to the top of my head every once in a while. It airs it out. Um, so
3: okay, now normally I'd I'd go like to O'Reillys and have them scan it.
1: They won't see it. Which well, it? they might oh. because it is a powertrain fault. But they may not see it if it's not emissions-related. They would have to go in and scan it on a year-make-model basis. So you have to ask okay. them, how are they? Do you understand what I mean when I say that, Brady?
3: Yeah, All I understand right. different scans.
1: Right, yeah. well, you know, there's, there's, you know, like, how many languages do you speak? Just out of curious. English? You speak one?
3: Uh well, I speak three, but not fluently.
1: Okay. But so you speak English, that's OBD2. All right? Yeah. And what's the second language you speak? Uh, Spanish. Okay. So that's that's your make, model, manufacturer specific. See. But you're only one person. See? Right? So, you know, that's why, you know, You've got to ask O'Reilly Auto Parts when they do this, are they scanning this as OBD2? Or are they scanning this as your make model? Your make model okay. for something like this is more where you want to be because then you're going to get more complete information. All right? And then okay. if it is a, if it is a 573 model. and it is a brake light switch, you can get one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Ask them, you know, what's the best quality they've got, and they've got some good stuff there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because... Just- my dad always said he couldn't afford to
1: buy cheap. Right. can't afford to buy cheap. Well, you can afford to buy cheap once, then you learn the lesson. <laughs>
3: exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Ron.
1: You're very welcome, sir. Call me if you need more. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Annie in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're the car doctor. Let's get over and talk to Pete in Pennsylvania. What's going on, Peter? How are you? Hi. Good.
2: Thanks for taking the call. You're welcome, sir. Um, I, I drive um, a car that has has some older has a lot of miles on. I don't know if that has anything to do with the problem. Um, I noticed that if I have to come to a stop quickly, if I have to hit the brake pedal kind of hard. The car stalls out very often. Okay. Um, I'm usually able to turn it off and turn it on again. Occasionally, it'll also happen if I'm going up a steep embankment.
1: All right, when 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 you say a lot of miles, Pete, how many how many miles is a lot?
2: Uh, Two twenty. Yeah, it's
1: just broken in. It's not a lot. So, um, okay. what's what sort of maintenance has this has this Rav Four had? Regular oil changes, regular service. V6 or four cylinder too? By the way, four cylinder
2: it's a four cylinder yeah okay. I've had uh regular maintenance on it um oil changes every um three or four thousand miles
1: yeah, and who's doing the service work you know, um...
2: uh, just a local um mechanic
1: okay um you know has he ever cleaned the throttle body, do you know
2: I don't know, okay
1: um how long do you live in your house
2: about five years
1: All right and before that right you lived in a place a while so you ever notice every once in a while you got to clean the windows yeah and once in a while you got to clean around the front door sill because dirt builds up and affects airflow if you get what I'm saying okay so yeah so an engine breathes through its throttle body all right a throttle body if, if you if you didn't know is just it's it's a round cylindrical opening with a plate in front of it and when you push down on the pedal, You're actually opening that round plate. Well, that round plate in the closed position is kind of like when you just crack the front door of the house open, a quarter inch, just a little bit of airflow through. All right. But, you know, over time, if you left the front door, cracked that quarter inch, and we went through the spring season and all the pollen built up because it would drag itself in front of that crack, it would start to block and prevent airflow. Correct. Right o- over time, that that round throttle plate inside that round throttle bore does the same thing. So the computer is pretty smart; it can compensate up to a limit, and then it gets to the end of its electronic adjustment, so to speak, and its electronic programming, and it says, "Hey, I I don't know what to do here, Pete. You got to help me out. All right, and it stalls." So, you know, it's a pretty simple, straightforward procedure. He needs to follow guidelines and just clean the throttle body. Sometimes it's easier to take the throttle body off because if it's really gunked up, you can get at it from behind and really clean it out and and get all the carbon deposits off. All right? And then, and and obviously, if it's really terrible... I would check the PCV valve, make sure it's got good crankcase ventilation going on. I've seen sometimes higher mileage cars. The PCV isn't, isn't working properly, and that creates excessive crankcase pressure, and the, that's why the throttle body got excessively dirty, but it could also be age. And then when he cleans the throttle body, puts it all back together, then he's going to find now the idle speed is going to do what? It's going to idle high. And it's going to idle high because now you're adding more air to it, So the computer's trying to compensate for it. It's seeing greater airflow across the mass airflow sensor, and it's completely confused. So to prevent the phone call, although I like talking to you, Pete, um, to prevent the phone call back next week, he's going to have to do an idle relearn, which on that particular Toyota is real simple. Pull both battery cables off and tie the cables, not the battery, tie the cables together, all right, with 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 a jumper, and bleed down the computer's memory, all right? And what that's going to do is that's going to put the computer back into default, and now it will learn as if the vehicle were new. Oh, okay. Makes sense? Yeah. We have to to re-educate it. It just just needs a little help, all right? And then um, put it all back together, clean everything up, and, you know, you should be fine. But I would start with, before I got crazy and started looking for bigger issues... Obviously, you know, steps, 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 scan it for codes. I don't care if the check engine light's on or not. Scan it for codes, all right? Does it have anything pending? I would look at codes. I would look at fuel trim. I would look at throttle angle, all right? If throttle angle is excessive, then maybe we've got so much carbon in there, it's jamming the plate open. Again, looking for what's good. I'll tell you what's bad, all right? It's always good to have information and numbers, and it's quick and easy to do. All
2: right. All right, Thank sir. you
1: very much. You're very welcome. You'll be well. Thank you. Right. Yes, Thank sir. Always fun to hear from somebody. See, I knew Pete was from Altoona. I should have told him I was there a couple of weeks ago. I could have stopped it and I didn't have my tools with me. I'm sorry. What tools? 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Ryan The Car Doctor. Let's go get one more. Let's go get Chris in Indiana. Chris, I've got about three minutes, brother. What's going on?
2: Okay. I have a
0: 2000 Oldsmobile Alero. Okay. And the problem I'm having is is when I go to drive down the road, it doesn't seem to want to shift out of second gear or first gear, really. And the RPMs will just climb up, and, and I'll be rolling at three to 4,000 RPMs just to get up to speed. It'll okay. drive just fine. If I'm in town driving, going, you know, 25, 30, 40, but once you start to hit a higher speed, it it doesn't seem to want to shift into another gear. All right. But it doesn't give me any problems going in reverse, going in drive,
1: nothing. But, But it'll have, it has first and second. It just doesn't seem to have third and fourth.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay. So, you know, obviously the easy answer is, hey, Chris, you need a transmission. All right. Yeah. But. Before we go there because that's easy enough for a shop to check out. Um any dashboard warning lights on? Any check engine light anything like that? Yeah. Okay, have you scanned it for codes?
0: Yeah, it gave me some uh it gave me some like uh, cylinder misfire code.
1: All right. Did it give you a P0122? Anything with throttle position sensor? Uh, I don't know. All right. So let me tell you. Let me tell you the weird stuff because the easy stuff is, hey Chris, it needs a trans, and I think you can deal with right. that. I've all heard right. That. Yeah, so Yeah. I've got that one already. I want to. I, I, I want to tell you the one that nobody's going to find. That's my job. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you. this thank particular generation GM product would set a P zero P0122, which affects throttle position sensor. If the throttle position sensor is out of range, reading incorrectly, setting a fault code, losing its five volt reference, it will affect transmission operation. I don't believe it's going to be your case. I just want to mention this, all right? So you could have a bad throttle position sensor affecting transmission operation and cause it not to shift. Now, the weird one is the fuel tank pressure sensor or the high side AC pressure switch will fail, or there'll be a wiring issue. They are on the same 5-volt feed that will affect throttle position sensor that will affect transmission operation. So you could have a bad FTP or a bad AC pressure switch. The trans won't shift. You'll tear your hair out looking for it. That's the weird story that I want you to know. Till the next time, I'm Ron in The Car Doctor, reminding all of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.